0: Welcome to The Contrarians, where we're right and you're wrong. Before we get to the show, let's get the pleasantries out of the way. First of all, our website.
1: If you want more information about our little podcast, go to wearethecontrarians.com. That's where you'll find links to our old episodes, to our Patreon channel, and to our awesome Contrarians merch.
0: You can show your support by buying a Contrarians mug or a pillow. I like the laptop bags myself. Second of all, if you enjoy the show, tell your friends. Or even go a step further and leave us a five-star review on whatever platform you use to listen to your podcasts.
1: Finally, if you want to reach out directly to us, that's what social media is for. Find us on Twitter and Instagram at Contrarian Prime or check out our Facebook page at facebook.com slash Contrarian Prime.
0: Julio runs our official Twitter account at Contrarian Prime, but if you want to give me a piece of your mind or just want to banter about pro wrestling, you can follow me at Contrarian Alex.
1: That's it. That's our intro.
0: Now, time for the show.
1: And we are recording for Contrarians Corner for Burning.
0: Hello, and welcome to the Contrarians, where we're right and you're wrong. My name is Alex, joined, as always, by my co-host and friend. Someone who, I think, if need be, would set a car on fire for me. Not necessarily killing anybody, but...
1: I mean, I don't know. What else is going on in this hypothetical scenario? Like, Have you disappeared? Did I find your dog in someone
0: else's house? Uh man yeah if you found nori in someone else's house then i give you that means i'm dead and and you you can commence you can handle it any way you please but uh, what
1: what would i what would be the item of yours that i would find in a drawer um it's not a watch it had to be something a little more i wouldn't have noticed what kind of watch you were. no I, I walk into steven young's house and your uh, your pandora box is there
0: yeah or that um roxina like that uh (laughs) cardstock poster that i have from the the stadium either that or like i'm trying to think of like rare dvds i have that i've gone on and on to you about south of tales that's not rare it's just (laughs) unnecessary that i own it you would be like hey when did you get halloween four on three different forms of media (laughs) anyway that's julio Oliveira, and what we are jesting about will make a lot more sense if you haven't seen this movie in the, the hour to come. We are here today to discuss the 2018 Korean film Burning, starring Stephen Yeun of I Think You Should Leave fame.
1: I mean, most people know him from The Walking Dead, but okay.
0: Had a sloppy mud pie, grabbed too small a slice. Uh, yeah, that's, he is the one that gets a really awful fate in The Walking Dead, correct?
1: Yes. Unlike this movie, where he gets a,
0: <laughs> a dignified exit. <laughs> a dignified
1: <laughs> exit.
0: <laughs> Is that old enough now? He's the guy. Yeah. Uh, uh, Walking Dead spoiler ahead. He's the guy that uh, potentially he's the guy that gets killed by the comedian, right? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah.
1: And it's like it's an even older spoiler because it already happened in the comics years prior to it happening on the show. So
0: it's like during our Sopranos watch through, my sister was like worried about spoilers. I'm like, the show's like 20 years old, dude.
1: It's on you now.
0: It it falls on you. Based on Barn Burning by uh, Hakuri Murakami, Uh, just to go ahead and get out of the way right now. Um, Some of these pronunciations may not be spot on, so I apologize to all the players involved. We're going to do our best here.
1: They're not wrestlers, so Alex hasn't quite nailed the pronunciation.
0: Well, in my defense in that, that means I've heard their name pronounced correctly many, many times. And in this case, uh, not so much. All right. Well, we're going to get to why we're talking about the 2018 Korean film Burning here momentarily. The 2018 South Korean Japanese psychological thriller film. Co-written, produced, and directed by Lee Chang Dong. And as I mentioned, it's based off a short story called Barn Burning. Uh, with elements inspired by William Faulkner's story of the same name. So there's some of the Faulkner tie-in to this. Julio, you and I, we comprise The Contrarians. We're going to go ahead and explain what it is we do here to any and all potential new listeners or first-time listeners. Here on The Contrarians, we like to rage against the Rotten Tomatoes machine. That is our battle cry. Find a movie on Rotten Tomatoes that is highly rated – A lot of times a company with that wonderful IP denoting that it is truly indeed certified fresh and what we'll do with those movies is bring them down to size, discuss some misses more than hits in them, maybe poor direction, questionable acting, uh, slow pacing, bad score, bad soundtrack, uh, lazy writing, whatever we need to do to make a case. We leave no stones unturned and no cards not played. Uh, Conversely, we'll find a movie on Rotten Tomatoes that is lowly rated, usually about 30% and below. One of those nasty green splotches known as Rotten. And as you can guess, what we'll do is make a case for that film's positive merit, praise, its acting, directing, bold storytelling, score, soundtrack, uh, cinematography, whatever it takes. We'll make our case one way or another. We do this for two reasons predominantly because this shit is subjective. If you want to be, you can be as over the moon about something, or if you truly set your heart to it, you can be as downright cynical about something if you choose to be. Uh, It's kind of funny the hurdles people sometimes in real life will jump to do just what we're uh, parodying here. (laughs) And number two, the Rotten Tomato system, a lot of times uh, we feel is kind of flawed in the sense of, for the most part, you can't really tell the whole story of a movie by giving it a grade like you would a test. So we're here to kind of do the legwork for y'all. Being that Burning sits at a very comfortable 95% with that certified fresh logo next to it uh, during the first portion of the podcast, we will be treating it as though it were bad. That's daunting a task that may be. But that goes to comprise the first half of our show, what we call Contrarian's Corner. Julio, if listeners want to know how we really feel about the movie we're tackling, they just need to stick around for the second half for part two.
1: That is correct. The second part of every episode, aptly titled Real Talk, that's where we tell you how we really feel. We forget about the Rotten tomato score, we drop the gimmick, or we're just honest about how we experience the movie. Many times, it's uh, our first watch. That's the case with Burning. I'd never seen it. Alex had never seen it. It just got plopped on our desk, (laughs) and and then we just had to deal with it. So we'll find out how each other feels uh, on the second half, along with the feelings from the person that demanded we cover this movie here during the patron takeover, almost every episode is demanded by a patron, and uh, this time it was Ryan's turn, and he sent, he sent his thoughts to be read during real talk.
0: So I was letterbox review, so I have a pretty good inclination as to how he feels about this.
1: Oh, I haven't seen anything. I haven't even read what he sent. So there you go. Just gonna wing it when we get to real talk.
0: All right, well, that's as good of a place as any to start by saying thank you to our patrons. For those potentially interested in joining, you'll find out how to do so here shortly. All right, Julio. So 95% of Rotten Tomatoes burning. It's a crowd pleaser, a (laughs) teaser, a (laughs) suspenser.
1: Fun for the whole family.
0: Yeah, why not? So uh, what quotes did you pull? What were you able to find that uh, critics were saying about this movie that uh, had a much bigger impact than I thought? It made Rolling Stones... Top movies of the decade list, so. What? <laughs> yeah.
1: I had no idea. You know what the problem is? That this is PC, pre-COVID. So that that's just almost like ancient history by now.
0: 2018. It does feel like a long time ago. When I read that, I was like, my God, <laughs> what a different time it was. Uh, but anyway, uh, besides Rolling Stone, AV Club, Associated Press, Boston Globe, IndieWire, Insider, and Film Comment all had it in their best films of the decade list. So, decade. I know, and you know, <laughs> Good Time came out in that same decade. So, <laughs> and uh, yeah, that there's. We'll get to it, Julio, What were critics saying about this, Alex? Actually,
1: I shouldn't be surprised that it's in all those lists because there's a lot of uh, pretension <laughs> in the Rotten Tomatoes page when it comes to this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm gonna start with Robert Kushner from Flickering Myth. Who says, Bernie will bore the hell out of you for a long time, but never enough to lose interest or tap out before catching you in an anaconda vice. What was once boring becomes an unforgettable work of genius deserving to be repeatedly examined. That's quite a swing. It's going to bore the hell out of you. And then it's going to be a work of genius.
0: An anaconda vice. That was CM Punk's like finishing submission hold, the anaconda vice.
1: Did every match start really boring and then it became a work of genius?
0: <laughs> uh he would tell you so. Uh
1: next, Matt Cipolla from Film Monthly says it unfolds like a poem in its esotericism, wearing the ambiguity on its sleeves that make for something almost entirely transfixing.
0: God. I almost threw up like I made spaghetti for dinner tonight and all it was really good and it was almost ruined just hearing that. Those words put together.
1: Next, Walter Chaw from Film Freak Central. Burning is a masterpiece because it's about Kierkegaardian fear and trembling. And it comes to the same conclusions. Mm. Walter Chaw, he's usually pretty salt of the earth.
0: Just yeah, (laughs) regular guy. We (laughs) we like like Walt on these parts.
1: Yeah. Kierkegaardian. That's, I, I don't even know. I know I've seen books with that guy's name on him Kierkegaard I think he's like a philosopher
0: I don't know <laughs> it, yeah Kierkegaard uh, Wayne's World was it oh fuck what there's like a big rant he goes on in Cantonese where the he's like was it Kierkegaard or Dick Van Patten that said and he you know has like <laughs> this a really poignant quote that he drops it's fantastic
1: uh, Walter Shaw must be a fan and finally Nigel Andrews from Financial Times I like Haywire and burning in its somberly burnish way is very haywire. So first I thought I got really excited because I thought he was talking about the Soderbergh movie, Haywire.
0: Yeah. The Gina him. Carano vehicle. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Disgraced actress Gina Carano. <laughs> uh
1: but no, it's haywire, just lowercase. So I guess he's just talking about I don't know, haywire as a as an adjective, as a as a condition.
0: Okay, why not?
1: Sure, sure, Nigel. Next time just just do a a comparison. It'll be a lot more fun.
0: Erratic, semicolon, out of control. Also, I had to look it up because it is such a fucking funny line. Was it Kierkegaard or Dick Van Patten who said, if you label me, you negate me?
1: <laughs> <laughs> that's that's Stephen young Refusing to be labeled by this movie or by the industry. <laughs> well, those are the quotes, Alex. I think that we've, we've set the bar as far as just... I'm ready to stop. That's
0: enough <laughs> for, for this episode.
1: I, I don't think that... There was no way that we could insert Kierkegaard in the conversation on our own. Oh, so shit. now we got Walter Shaw to get that that weight off our shoulders, and now we can relax and have a normal conversation. <laughs> 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 <laughs>
0: I assume you also watch this on Tubi, the wonderful resource that is Tubi. No, it's on the cog. It is? Yeah. Son of a bitch. Well, I had to (laughs) watch like two minutes of ads.
1: Three hours?
0: (laughs) Uh, No, the ads on Tubi aren't anywhere near as intense as uh, those on um, Pluto Pluto TV. Yeah. 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 So, yeah, it, it was enjoyable and little breaks here and there to get a soda or something were welcome. All right. Lee jong Su, an aspiring young novelist, performs odd jobs in Paju. One day, he runs into Shin Haimi, a childhood neighbor and classmate, at a promotion at which he is making a delivery. jong Su initially does not remember her, but Haimi tells him she had plastic surgery. jong Su gives her the pink watch that he wins at the promotion, Later, she tells him about her upcoming trip to Africa and asks him to feed her cat, Boyle, while she is away. Before Jaime's departure, Jong-Soo's father, a cattle farmer, becomes entangled in disagreeable legal affairs, and Jong-Soo has to return to their farm. Jong-Soo visits Jaime's apartment, where he receives instructions about feeding the cat. So that's what kind of starts us off here. Uh, I was, I'm going to be honest with you, the first shot of the movie, I I was kind of apprehensive because it was the born cam. I was like, oh here we fucking go. <laughs> but instead he just transitions into completely ripping someone off altogether with his Darren Aronofsky shot of uh Jong Su walking around town with like a you know a box. And um You know, it's fun in the beginning of this movie, Julio, the long continuous shots, but when you're dealing with a movie that's two and a half hours by the end, it's like we could have done this in three quick cutaways yep. because this movie consists of several elongated single shot set pieces.
1: Nobody can be Aronofsky. I mean, Aronofsky knows that he'll do that because then he's going to rattle you at the end. But this is usually the three really long shots kind of arrive at a very languid, like very slow paced. <laughs> scene anyway so it's not like they're building up to anything right it's not randy Mm -hmm. the ram making his way to the ring (laughs) just this dude walking around the streets and then winning a raffle in, in the most unenthusiastic way uh what what do you make of uh of our protagonist i mean he is the protagonist uh john su do you like him or was he a little too uh a little too clueless for your taste
0: yeah he's a bit daft and kind of plain there are these moments where he shows some personality uh, that seem kind of interesting specifically when he's stoned. um, But then that quickly, you know, goes away. And for the most part, he's emotionless. He's very not stoic. Aloof would be the word I would use to describe him because a lot of serious shit is going on specifically with his, uh, you know, his dad, as we mentioned a second ago, and we'll get to his mother in the movie as well. And just, the general crumbling down of reality around him that comes with the fucking nine hours that this movie takes to conclude. Um, So I can't say he's like a vacuum of charisma or anything like that, nothing (laughs) offensive. It's just, you would think he's a bit more startled by the shit that's going on. I think you can tell
1: what what a man is made of as far as his emotions by how he masturbates. And we see this dude jerk off three times in the movie and all three times it seems to be a very underwhelming experience for for the audience and for for him. And I think that tells you everything about the character. It's like, well, it's not going to be fun. <laughs> I don't want to follow this guy for two and a half hours.
0: Yeah, he just like jerks off looking at scenery. <laughs> Pull up browsers, man. Treat yourself. Smile. smart <laughs> You're <He's laughs> having my- a good time. <laughs> He's got a smartphone, you know? He can find something good in there.
1: Can you imagine, like, how much more lively this movie becomes if he just goes nuts <laughs> in those scenes?
0: Just gets completely naked yeah. and slathers himself in a barbecue sauce or something. <laughs> or at least, like, you know, a emo- we're talking, you know, Philip Seymour Hoffman getting cranked off in uh, The Master. You know, we need some action like that. So, as we mentioned, he runs into uh, Jaime, who is reported to be from his childhood he kind of has a hard time figuring it out but they quickly become friends and you know potential romances in the air when he goes over to her apartment to meet her cat boil and kind of gets the rundown on how to feed it they end up having sex she relays or regales him what have you with a story about when they were kids and he called her ugly and she asked him i ugly now and he couldn't really respond to it. And before you know it, they're having sex.
1: They're having very uh, dispassionate sex.
0: <laughs> just- well, at least, you know, she grabbed a rubber. She was like, all right, we'll do this. but R- Responsible
1: dispassionate we're gonna sex. We're going to be safe.
0: Yeah. And then he just like is going to town whilst looking at the sun setting. And, <laughs> and her closet. Yeah. It's like the reflection, not the reflection of the sun, but the sunlight peering into the room. I guess it's supposed to be artistic. I I felt that he.
1: Was, if he wants to look
0: at it that bad, you know, press her up against the window while you're doing your business. <laughs> Just, and uh, you can both look outside.
1: Right, pull a uh, uh, fastbender in shame when he's in that high-rise apartment or the hotel. Room. Um, I felt like he. Cause this whole sort of a meat cute slash sex cute. It takes twenty minutes or or more of the of the movie at the beginning and. He's just so slow on the uptake. It's very clear, I think, for everybody watching that she's interested in him, that she is waving the flag at him like, hey, this way, this way. And he's just kind of underreacting. Uh, to Aloof. The point, yeah, yeah. What do you make of the fact that he just after this, he's just obsessed with her?
0: Yeah, the, I couldn't grasp how old they're supposed to be, but out of college. So should have kind of been past that phase, my man. Um, but you know it could've been great. It could've cut away right before things got interesting
1: <laughs> when she like grabbed his face and made him look away from the window into put a eyes. plastic
0: bag over his head and uh, <laughs> flipped him over the belt
1: around his neck,
0: yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh so it could have gotten really good and you know that was the only thing that got cut out of this movie but you're absolutely right if this if they were like 17 or something maybe i could understand his obsession and kind of being dog walked a bit more but uh, it seems a bit far-fetched in this particular example especially because it's not like it was his childhood crush that he reconnected with after you know so many long lost years he didn't even remember who she was and then you know a few days later they're forming the beast with two backs and now he will walk across all hell and creation barefoot for her
1: so do you think it was the sex or maybe it was the fact that uh, she's a mime or she's a mime in training
0: she's pretty impressive with those acting skills where she does uh, there's a scene where she mimes eating a tangerine I believe she says and explains like the key to acting <laughs> pretty impressive
1: <laughs> what else was she miming
0: <laughs> the key to his heart obviously
1: opened an imaginary purse and then fished out an imaginary key and then she pressed it against his chest
0: you know a mime is a terrible thing to
1: waste
0: jong Su moves back to the farm uh, that he grew up on as his dad is encountering some legal issues he assaulted a, like a officer of the law and he's had previous violations before we find out that he has a Serious anger problem. And it led to jong Su's mother and sister moving out many, many moons prior. Now, he gets moved back into the farm. It's a, a mess, but he's doing his best to kind of, you know, stay with the upkeep. He starts receiving phone calls where there's no one on the other line. And that becomes a reoccurring happening throughout the movie. Uh, fucking Trump can't escape him. He's on, did you notice him on the TV oh, during one it, of the scenes? Is,
1: my thought was, this is history now. Mm-hmm. This, this is just, it's not a joke. It's just, this is how he establish the, the, the timeline. Like, oh, he this is when Trump was president. And it's just, it's there now. We can't erase it. <laughs> it's just its just part of, of the fabric of American history and world history. Suddenly, no matter what else was going on in the movie, there was just this darkness in that corner of the screen.
0: Yep. Sad, but true. And uh, it sucks to be reminded of it, especially I just can't escape it. I was watching UFC the other night and he was there like in the crowd in the front row. And I know that's my fault for watching the UFC. But in this <laughs> case, I at least thought my podcast, my movie podcast was sacred ground. But Ryan just threw us the not even a curveball, just the the limp overhand. Just me. <laughs> all right. So all this we've explained so far. Literally occupies like the first 45 minutes of the movie.
1: And you're like, where's Stephen Young?
0: Right. And she goes off to Africa uh, on her voyage. While she's gone, Jong-Soo comes regularly to feed the cat. We never see the cat, prompting one to ask, is there a cat?
1: But there's a litter box that allegedly, according to him, has cat poop in it.
0: Well, we see it. it. Definitely there is cat poop in it.
1: Well, we don't know that that's cat poop. I mean, he's assuming it's cat poop.
0: That's true. It could be human feces. We don't. (laughs) It could be. Another Philip Seymour Hoffman reference. We don't get the shot of Jong-Soo investigating the the droppings with like a wooden spoon (laughs) like in Sendoche, New York. (laughs) (laughs) Charlie Kaufman watched this and he went, coward. (laughs) But we're, we're told the cat is very timid and scared of new people. Uh my note just says cranking rod because every time he goes to her apartment to feed the cat, he stares out the window and masturbates. What so, what's so, the- so he's
1: so he's literally masturbating to the sunset, to like the the ray of light that happens to hit that window once a day for I don't know, thirty seconds that she you know, she references this the first time he comes over. Is that is that what's happening?
0: I thought it was like um he was more masturbating to the scenery because he's just from, you know, the podunk, the backwoods. And oh. so, you know, <laughs>
1: <laughs> he's aroused by the apartment.
0: Yes, he's aroused by the apartment and the view. We get a scene of Junsu meeting with his dad's lawyer. His dad's lawyer is explaining that your dad's like not going to take responsibility for this. and He's not going to take any type of plea deal. You need to talk to him and explain to him, you know, he needs to do this. Does the dad character actor, what have you? Does, is there any lines of dialogue uttered by him in this movie?
1: I don't think so. I think he has like 30 seconds of screen time at the towards the end. Uh, more importantly, does the dad subplot have any relevance to the story at all? And the
0: answer is no. That was going to be my next question, but you beat me to it. It's like, does this impact his behavior in any other happening or scenario? It does not.
1: You could just remove the entire subplot about the dad being in prison. And man, you might actually get close to a two hour long movie.
0: It's like in Metal Gear Solid Two when you have to help Emma. Like you forget about it and then you come back to like, "Fuck, I have to do this again. This is just going to take up too much time."
1: The the dad storyline is a DLC that you can just unlock later <laughs> if you're if you want more of the the world of burning.
0: I forget what the Last of Us DLC was called, but it was something you know. It wasn't more Last of Us, but I, I could just see yeah the the dad subplot. Is uh, J- J- Su's father story coming this fall? <laughs> Get with season pass.
1: <laughs> you you have to you have to go collecting signatures. That's the entire level.
0: <laughs> yes, it's like Second Life. You just walk from door to door because he's trying to. Um, he writes a letter to the judge and then is trying to prove that like the townspeople think he's a good man.
1: Never comes back. <laughs> nope. <laughs> that, 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 that plot beat.
0: That's why it's DLC, or it's uh, GTA Three. The missions you don't have to do to like finish the game. GTA Three. I'm specifically thinking of the pay phones around Vice City that you walk up to, and they're like, "Man, be here and do this," but it has really no bearing on the rest of the game.
1: Collect signatures to free your dad. Eh, don't feel like it.
0: <laughs> Just jump in the car and I run. <laughs> Jaime returns home. My note says she's back with that guy. <laughs> she comes back with a movie star glenn from the walking dead Stephen young uh, he shows up he's got some pretty weird energy about him what does it say here uh they are stranded at the nairobi airport for three days after a bombing nearby when they come back home she arrives with ben a man whom she met and bonded with during the crisis the three go out to dinner where Jaime cries and confesses that she wants to disappear Ben is well off but does not give a clear answer when asked what he does for a living. So yeah, they go to dinner and our female lead of the movie, Jeon Jong Hi Me, she has this wild story about watching this sunset and then just like, she starts crying talking about it and wishing she could like disappear. It's kind of sad and a bit of a cry for help, but then she just kind of falls asleep at the dinner table and everyone's like, huh, women.
1: That's her quirk, because uh, the first time she went out with, uh, with Jean Sue, she also fell asleep at the bar.
0: She does have some, like, manic pixie dream girl tendencies inside of, you know, a, a kind of darker movie. She doesn't have, like, an air camera that she takes pictures with. But she likes to dance. She does like to dance. There's a specific manic pixie dream girl sequence later in the movie. She doesn't make up words.
1: <laughs> she makes up dance moves
0: she i guess she does but yeah her her thing is she falls asleep whenever she's tired wherever she is some people would call that narcolepsy (laughs) this movie calls it
1: adorable so so alex is this her oscar clip or is her oscar clip uh one of her dance sequences
0: do they ever do scenes with nudity at the oscars i can't remember like when they show them do they just blur people out but she has one dance
1: sequence where she's not
0: naked yeah that one's awkward though because everyone's looking at her like she's an idiot uh, no, her scene would be when she's telling the story about the well and they're all looking into the sunset but the camera's facing them cuz she's making like these expressions and her facial language reflects resentment that isn't mm-hmm. reflected in her words. So I'd say that one.
1: There you go. Well, this is this is a close second. This one's for the Golden Globes.
0: <laughs> My next note says LOL fuck this guy because Ben is just intolerable. <laughs> I did laugh when uh, uh, Zhang Su says, how is he this young with this much money? And then he said he's a great Gatsby. (laughs) And Jaime's like, what are you talking about?
1: Yeah, they... uh, I mean, they're both pretty insufferable in their own ways. Uh, It was... Once I realized... Well, at least I thought that by then we'd finally found what the movie was going to be about and it was going to be about this love triangle. I'm like, I get it. There's a really awkward guy that can't even be joyful when he masturbates and then there's a really up his ass rich guy that thinks he's he's the shit and these two <laughs> are gonna buy for the affection of this uh, really quirky girl that is trying to find herself I was like okay well that's, that's I guess a romantic comedy in the making up being something much much darker but at this point I'm like alright if that's what we're going for Man, this is gonna be painful because I hate everybody. <laughs> I don't hate her, but she just kind of—I I just wish that she had better taste in men. And then the the two guys are just—God, who would want to spend time with them? Uh, I guess Stephen Yon has money, so that that kind of goes a little bit. I, I get why his friends hang out with him, but still, were you were you bummed that uh, that we got Stephen Yon playing playing an asshole, or or was that what you expected based on? Uh, his, his acclaimed appearance and I think you should leave.
0: Yeah, that's about the extent of my knowledge of him, so I didn't know what to expect here, but um, based on your reaction and my sister's reaction who watched this with me, it seemed like it was kind of a, um, not what you're used to with him. A departure? <laughs> For you Glenheads, yeah. He was, he was
1: probably the nicest person to walk in The Walking Dead. Of course, that's why they killed him the most horrible way.
0: <laughs> so, back to it. <laughs> so the question should be begged is, like, why is jong Su hanging out with them? Like, they're just kind of obviously doing their own thing. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, they needed a ride at first.
0: <laughs> that, but then she, the next time they hang out, she, like, asks them to meet somewhere, and then he's with them. And as someone who's been in a situation similar to that before, I just said, okay, I'm I'm leaving. <laughs> Of like, if you're going to have the temerity to do this and act <laughs> oblivious to what's going on, I'll catch you on the other side.
1: What's the alternative, Alex? What else is he doing with his life that that he's not going to have dinner
0: that Steven Yan is paying for? You owns know, a farm. Go do shit on your farm, man. You got, a, you got a calf there that loves you.
1: <laughs> Doesn't seem like much fun. I mean, I know he has to be at the farm to answer the those phone calls that lead nowhere. But still, he gets to spend time with... a. Uh, the upper class.
0: Oh man, yeah. It, it, so the, the it so Ben makes them dinner and then it somehow leads to them going out with Ben's friends, and I fucking hate these people, man. Mainly be, not these people specifically, but these types of people. You go to yeah, 80, my, uh,
1: my note says rich people suck.
0: <laughs> that's like the type of people that have taken over Austin over the past decade. The people that are so interested in themselves. And the, the the things they do, they love telling stories so they can be the center of attention from, you know, people they want to make jealous. Mm-hmm. You and I have hung out enough that we have stories and shit and we have stories <laughs> we tell. But for the most part, whenever you and I hang out or in bigger groups or anything like that, you and me catch up. Talk about, you know, oh, the chips are good. That type of thing. We're just like cordial <laughs> folk. You and I both know people. I'm not thinking of anyone specifically, but those types of people who want to command the room with their stories. And it's just when you have a whole group of people like that, that's depicted here. And I've been out enough places and, and I hate to, Austin. fucking sucks, but I'll spare Austin this. You you can find that in any big city. Anyway, You go to like a, a, a nicer. Yeah. Any nicer bar or high-end restaurant, you'll see these people that are so in love with themselves. And, they want to hear your story about going to Africa so they can top it with their story about the time, you know, they uh they're just they're uh, it's a group of justins. Uh,
1: God, I was waiting to make yeah. that reference. <laughs>
0: <laughs>
1: Even Pony has them.
0: Yes, it's a group of justins. There you go. Yeah, they want to
1: hear your story so that they can later tell your story as part of their story.
0: Exactly. In this case, this scene bothered me way more than it should just because I've seen and know people like this. And I was just like, God, fuck this. They're all very pretty, though.
1: Well, yeah, yeah. When you have money and you can just dedicate a lot of time to looking good, you you can get pretty close to the target. Uh, By note, Alex says literally, man, somebody better get murdered soon if this movie is going to justify its runtime.
0: (laughs) (laughs) This movie would have to speed up to go at a snail's pace. <laughs> and so why not? Ben and Hai come out to Su's farm to visit him. She calls him, like, hey, we're coming out there. I'd be like, uh, no, you're fucking not. It's like, <laughs> you know I like you. I'm smitten with you, and you think it's just okay to hang around me with this other dude, and it's not. So Okay, so in her defense,
1: off. in her defense, he doesn't have game. Uh, you know, he brought them from the airport, and then there was that crucial moment where he could have offered to take her home. And she,
0: you oh, can tell, yeah. she wants
1: him to take her home. But he yeah. he's like, oh, no, that's okay. I got a long drive. And, well, can't blame her now. I mean, you know, she gave him a chance. And then throughout the movie, she keeps giving him chances.
0: Yeah, that's a particularly brutal scene because you can tell he wants her to, like, say it. And it's like, that's not how the real world works, buddy.
1: She already, <laughs> she already let you have sex with her. <laughs> how about you make a move for once?
0: Yeah, yeah. Step it up. Step up your game, brother. So they do visit, and this is where we get the manic pixie dream girl sequence, where she dances in the sunset, eventually removing her top and dancing around topless, and then starts crying.
1: Steven Yeons brought the world's most powerful weed to this get-together.
0: <laughs> Not before telling a story of when they were little kids and she fell in a, in a well nearby, and she alleges that Jiangsu rescued her.
1: This story, the story of the well, is just going to haunt the rest of the movie. And after the credits roll, it will probably haunt you. And not for for a good reason, just because it's it's just one of those itches that you can't scratch. I, I hate that we finish the movie and we don't know what was true and what wasn't about that well. Or or did I miss something? Did Did you get some sort of closure when it comes to that well story? Was I supposed to? Was I supposed to get closure at all with this movie? Well, every time that something is brought up about that well, it's treated like some major revelation that I thought was supposed to indicate that, oh, well, now we figure it out, right? Because at some point they're like, no, there was never a well. And then somebody else is like, oh, she's always making up stories. And then somebody else says, no, there was a well. And it's like and he doesn't remember or he actually like he doesn't remember saving her. But she says that he said like, it's, it's a big mystery that <laughs> envelops the second half of the movie. And then there's no resolution. Like I really wanted the last shot of the movie I don't know, to be like the blueprints of the farm. And then you can see that there was clearly a well or maybe maybe a flashback to when she fell. <laughs> I just that wanted answers.
0: It, the ending of it should have been a panning shot to the well. And she's still there. She never got out. The entire thing no, was just Christian Bale's in it, and he's climbing out. Uh, <laughs> my takeaway from the well thing is that it was up to the audience to figure out if they think it really happened or not. Because as you mentioned already, we find out from Jaime's sister and mother, I believe, that she's a perpetual liar and she's sounds like a bit of a sociopath and makes shit up. But Jong Su is so taken by her, he doesn't he doesn't know what to believe.
1: That's some bullshit. The whole, like, you guys figure it out. That's like, it's not my movie. You made the
0: movie. You, don't <laughs> give me homework after. You made me sit here for two and a half hours for this? <laughs> I'll tell you what jung soo does know and won't forget. I was getting high on marijuana. It's a big fucking deal, man.
1: Alex, it, there's no way that it's... I think that's been established throughout the run of the show that my experience with drugs is less than minimal, but... They take like one puff, like one, they just go once and then they're just blasted out of their minds. That's not how it works.
0: Uh, I mean, it depends. If you're already high and you take another hit, it can just immediately, whoom. I mean, allegedly, but. Um, <laughs> have you ever I seen anybody s- be so high that they just
1: strip and start dancing? Probably.
0: but not not in such like a menacing foreboding like (laughs) one of these people's a murderer kind of way it was just kind of like look at that uh and here with the fucking tiny ass joint that they're puffing on (laughs) yeah they immediately get stoned and it would take a good 10 minutes for that shit to set in i mean who knows it could be some unbelievable pot considering it's south korea i highly doubt it because (laughs) You know, uh, South Korea.
1: You don't think Steven Young has has the hookup? He's got money.
0: Uh, It's pretty hard to find weed in South Korea because it's like super illegal. Uh, And that's not exclusive to South Korea. Japan, too, is like big fucking deal. That's right.
1: And Steven Young doesn't do any super illegal things in this movie.
0: That's true also. Maybe he got it in Africa. Maybe he got it in the United States or something. Who knows? But but anyway, as one would expect, if they've ever watched a movie with marijuana involved before, it leads to the... Well, one, Jaime um, takes a nap. She falls asleep. <laughs> she dances then, herself out. Hey, we all been there, man. But then Ben and jong Su have, you know, your classic stoned conversation where jong <laughs> very quickly begins to massively overshare details about his life. <laughs> and uh, I mean, it not it doesn't have to be exclusive to marijuana. I think everyone has been in that situation. If you haven't been guilty of it, I know I have before, but that situation of like, if you're maybe you're just drunk with your friend and they start like telling you a bunch of shit that not that they shouldn't, but it's like, Hey man, read, read the room, read the vibe. This isn't the time to talk about this. You were so right
1: though, about Steven Yana and his friends always trying to one up people because jong Su is like, man, I hate my dad. And then Stephen Young goes, yeah, I like to burn greenhouses.
0: <laughs> he just has to, you know, up the ante. And there. this is like right as the sun's rising, right at the break of dawn. And one of the interesting things I read, the scene in which the main characters talk at jong Su's house was filmed over a month. They were only able to shoot a few minutes each day to capture consistent twilight on camera. Jesus. Now psychopaths like you would be like why didn't they just green screen it and light it (laughs) yes (laughs) (laughs) it's that's literally that bit from um 30 rock where jenna goes to iceland to film that werewolf movie that they only have one minute of darkness each day because of the solstice
1: so so this is Stephen Jan's oscar clip
0: easily and then I, my note just says, "Oh, he crazy, crazy." Um, <laughs>
1: so you were you were sure? Because I I had this. I was giving them the benefit of the doubt. I'm like, look, we are more than halfway through the movie at this point. It's probably too late for them to really turn him into a psychopath. So instead, maybe he's just a rich asshole that's fucking with this guy. You know, I thought that he was. I think that he was really doing any of these things that he was saying he was doing. He just he was just fucking with the townie with the, with the the guy at the farm that, you know, will believe it because he doesn't know any better. But I was wrong.
0: <laughs> oh yeah. He he likes uh burning down greenhouses and he'll occasionally find one that he deems worthy of burning down, and he does that every what does he say, every two months. And it had uh been a while since he had done one, so he needs to find another one soon to burn down. And he explains that he had been looking around Jong Su's neighborhood and thinks he found one that he's going to burn. If you're thinking this sounds too on the nose and might be analogous for something, you might be onto to something. <laughs> the next morning, and sadly, it be the last thing that he says to Jaime. He says, why do you take your clothes off around people? Only whores do that. Might want to rethink those words, my friend.
1: Man, that's how you ruin a good memory. You You, you guys had a good party and then you had to be you have to run your mouth like that. Uh, did you have a feeling at this point, Alex, that this was the last we were going to see of Amy? Uh, hey,
0: I had no idea. At this point, you know, we're an hour, almost an hour and a half into the movie. And I was just like, what? I was waiting for the for movie the to start. <laughs> yeah, I was waiting to, like, figure out what we're doing here.
1: You were wondering uh, what happened to all those signatures that Johnson was collecting. <laughs>
0: And then I was like, okay, what does any of this have to do with the fucking phone calls that he keeps getting and hung up on?
1: What is he going to write his novel about?
0: So he's unsuccessful, reaching Jaime. He quits his job, just walks out. His boss like asks him a question, and he just leaves.
1: <laughs> he wants to be a badass, like Steven Young.
0: It's not a montage, because nothing in this movie can be concise, but... It's a sequence of events where he's going around trying to see if anyone knows where she is without directly approaching Ben yet. And yeah. eventually he just ends up stalking Ben. So it was all for naught. Well, he's he's alternating
1: between trying to reach Hemi and also checking on all the greenhouses around his neighborhood.
0: That's right. Yeah. And at one point, someone catches him. is like, what the hell are you doing here? He's like, oh, just looking. And My <laughs> thought at that point is like, oh, he's going to get framed for arson. Yep.
1: Nothing suspicious going on around here, officer. No, I don't know anybody that wants to burn a greenhouse.
0: But in fact, what is a greenhouse? <laughs> He's like Smalls in The Sandlot. Huh, I don't, I don't know anything about it.
1: You're killing me, Smalls. Okay, well now, now, Alex, we've we've had I don't know 20 minutes of this dude uh, unsuccessfully trying to reach this girl. Are you now getting that feeling that maybe, maybe she's gone for good? Or were you like, this dude is just obsessed and he can't take a hint?
0: Well, I am getting that feeling because I know it's what the movie wants me to feel. It's interesting, though, because they intersperse it with that scene we talked about where he goes and sees her mom and her sister. And they're just like, oh, yeah, fuck her. Like She <laughs> lies. She owes like so much money. She's in debt up to her eyeballs. And, and he's so- like, but well, she
1: went to Africa.
0: <laughs> yeah. He's like. We had sex. Don't you understand this? <laughs> so he frantically goes back to her apartment and uh, he had previously exchanged pleasantries with her landlord and explains I need to get in the apartment to feed the cat. And I do like this part because she's like, there is no cat. We don't allow pets here. An American movie would have, you know, Hans Zimmer's score intensify <laughs> in that moment. Like, <laughs> but instead, it's just kind of quiet and they go in there and she's like, see, if I fucking told you, there's no cat in here. And the apartment's way cleaner than it usually is. The litter box is gone, et cetera, et cetera. Um, her suitcase is there though. that's that's the big one because the landlord said maybe she went on a trip and he finds her suitcase and he says, I don't think she went on any trip. So of course, he calls the police, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> There's enough evidence here.
1: Circumstantial as it may be to to maybe get professionals at in the case. At
0: best. You know this guy is a serial arsonist. Like, <laughs> I, I guess that's the thing, though. It's so he's so concerned about you know having. I guess that could be seen though as him being so worried about getting caught for smoking weed that he <laughs> can't turn this guy in.
1: That's a problem in South Korea. You've scared them so much that if they ever smoke weed, then they can't report all their crimes.
0: Uh, he goes and finds Ben. Approaches him. In a coffee shop, he's reading a Faulkner book, and he asks if he knows where Jaime is. Of course, he doesn't, and it leads to more discussion of greenhouses and said, I thought you were going to burn down a greenhouse near me, and he said, I did. He's oh, like, this is well, the face-off
1: like, sequence.
0: Yes. He says, you know, well, that can't be because I didn't see it, and he's like, maybe you aren't looking close enough. <laughs> and it's like, oh, greenhouse means person, and he killed him. <laughs>
1: Did he burn her, or did he just kill her? Is burning also some sort of... Is it metaphorical burning, or is it real burning?
0: Jesus, Anything about that. So Ben is super mysterious. He now has a new girlfriend. It's a lot like you, that show on Netflix. hmm Except we're not following his plot. So, of course, at this point... <laughs> Uh, Zhang Su can't put two and two together, so he's just like, well, I'm going to go look for this well and see if this thing really exists.
1: (laughs) I've reached a dead end on this side quest, so I'm going to (laughs) go on a different mission.
0: And we find that there is no well. There is no spoon. He continues stalking Ben. We get this really tense, like, almost, it's not almost, it is like a chase sequence. He's following him closer to his home, and... Ends up having to hide from him in his car because he turns it around on him. He knows he's being followed, and he ends up on foot, getting does that movie creep with uh, Mark Duplass. Mm-hmm. There's a shot very, I think it's like the end of that movie. There's a shot very similar to the one we have here of uh, you in and uh, Stephen Hune. Just he's blissfully unaware that he's right behind him, or is he? he I don't know, know the but whole it doesn't
1: time. matter because that that all of it doesn't.
0: Doesn't amount to a hill of beans, as nope. they say, Julio.
1: They just it's just like a pretty shot of you know both of them facing the same direction with the car in between them. I guess Stephen Yan is just pondering how many more bodies he can he can sink in the lake.
0: <laughs> in a Tesla that he's yeah. driving. What is it? It's a Porsche that he's yeah, driving. Yeah, it's a Porsche. Yeah. And
1: and then that's it. The fate to Black, and then the next day we just see Zhang uh, Su wakes up. I was like, Did I miss something? Because he wakes up and he's just kind of moaning when he wakes up, like like he like his face hurts or something. And I thought maybe I had blinked and I had missed Stephen Young catching him and punching him or something. But no, it's just it's just a really weird transition. And I think that's that's when his mom calls him.
0: Yes. So the phone rings and it finally has a voice on the other end. Do you think it was his mom the whole time, or do you think those like hang up calls were just a red herring?
1: His dad calling from prison, but he was too mad to to really talk.
0: Or just the Michael Myers call and just breathing really loud into the phone. <laughs> uh, so the mom asks if we can meet. And it's a very, very short meeting with his, his mom's hot as fuck, too. So props. <laughs> good genetics on the that side of the family. She's like smiling and like playing Candy Crush on her phone. But I think she's explaining that she's like in debt to the mob. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I mean, it could be just that your
1: standard debt collector is really scary in South Korea.
0: That's true. That is very true. So what's your read here? Because he says, I'll take care of it. It's like, no, you fucking won't. Like, was he just trying to get out of this meeting with his mom? I I don't know. This scene kind of threw me a loop. In a movie that was very slow and plotting and I felt everything was over explained. This scene just kind of stuck out like, I don't know what. Like a shrimp cocktail at a buffet, like you eat it really fast and then you're like, well, fuck, I wish I would have savored that or had some more. Because I couldn't, I felt like there was something here, but I couldn't make sense out of what we got.
1: Well, I think the problem is that there's no purpose to it. The, The only thing that comes out of this scene is that the mom contradicts what people have been telling him and tells him, no, yeah, there was a well. But man, you could have had somebody else say that. You already had Jaime's family say that there wasn't a well, right? So you could have had the guy that lived over there because, you know, he talks to one of the neighbors and the neighbor also says there wasn't a well. But you could have had that guy say there was a well. And then that's it. You already accomplished what you are going to accomplish with the mom scene, which, yeah, you're right, doesn't lead anywhere. He offers to give her the money and she's like, oh, you have money? And and then that's it. We never see her again. It, it's, it never becomes relevant to, to the story. So if she didn't
0: take his money, why did they meet to begin with?
1: Right. And what made her suddenly call him why is she there why was she because you're right if if she was not the one calling then what the fuck was up with the phone calls to begin with (laughs) so we have to assume that she was the one calling and then something made her finally have the courage to tell him hey it's me you want to hang out and then Okay, so she's she has a debt and so you're like all right, so the reason that she's been calling is cuz she wants to ask money from him. But why would she think that he has the money? I mean, I know she doesn't know that he quit his job, but still like what would make you think that he has the money? So maybe it's one of those things that in, in an earlier version of the script was more fleshed out and made more sense or maybe it's something from the book that they just couldn't cut. Who's to say, really? Well, Lee Chan-dong, he he's to say <laughs> he has to say. <laughs>
0: he's supposed to have said yeah ben catches jungsu outside of his apartment very creepily invites him in says he's having a gathering uh while inside he notices he has a cat he asks, when did you get that and he said i just recently brought in a stray he comments on how cute the cat is and i'm not even a cat person julio and that was a very cute cat so jungsu's immediately you know, uh, not accusatory. What's the phrase I'm looking for? His spidey sense is tingling. He thinks this could potentially be a Jaimese cat. And so he goes into the bathroom to kind of regroup himself. Uh, the first time he went to Ben's apartment, he looked through his shit in the bathroom, which is always a smart thing to do at someone you've never been to his house before. And he found this makeup kit and then a drawer that had a bunch of miscellaneous jewelry in it. And so the makeup kit's still there, but he opens the drawer and the watch from the beginning of the movie's in there. So he has taken something from Me at this point. Could be the cat, too, as in the next sequence, uh, one of his guests comes over, leaves the door open. The cat gets out, goes to the parking garage below. Uh, ben, the guest, and Zhang Su go down to look for the cat. Zhang Su is able to corner it. It's very scared. It's very tepid. It's a very cute cat. And he says, you know, here, kitty, kitty, that type of thing. And then he whispers, boil, boil. The cat's name, and the cat immediately runs and jumps into his arms. That's nonsense! I call bullshit!
1: That's not how cats work. I have four <laughs> cats. That's not how cats work. I could tell you the names of all my cats, and then I, I dare you. I'll bet you, like, $100. See if you can call them, and they can, they'll can. they come to you. Like, they barely come to me when, when I call them by their names. And this dude, he had never seen the cat. <laughs> There's no
0: way. So he helps the cat get back upstairs. Then he takes off to leave. He's obviously scared, (laughs) rightly so. Ben asks why he's leaving. And he just says, I was going to talk to you about Jaime, but I think I have my answers now. And Ben gets really close to him and reiterates some words he said about, quote, burning down greenhouses. He puts his hand over his heart. and He said, you need to feel base in your heart here. Uh, he
1: He leans closer and whispers in his ear, I killed her. (laughs)
0: <laughs> he, he leans in and then he whispers i'm gonna kill john lennon <laughs> Yeah, you should be on our patreon you'll get that reference right there <laughs> so he more or less has figured out or believes he's figured out what's happened his father's so, sentenced so to now
1: eight- he's gonna go to the police
0: I mean, in a way, he goes to a courthouse uh, (laughs) to see his dad sentencing. His dad gets sentenced for 18 months in prison. Uh, He sells the calf, which was like the only remaining animal at the farm. Kind of sweet moment. He talked to the calf all the time and never really thought it was retaining anything. And the calf, like, (laughs) it's almost like a Pixar moment. The calf, like, says goodbye to him when he gets loaded into the back of the truck to the farmers he sold it to. So He somehow moves into Jaime's apartment.
1: Oh, that's what happened. Okay. I was like, that looks different. That's not his house.
0: <laughs>
1: completely. Wow. I completely missed that. Because I was going to say, and then he's inspired to finally start writing whatever he ends up writing.
0: I assume he writes this whole story. He's basically tying up all the loose ends that have been introduced throughout the movie. Why, you might ask? Jong-Soo asks to meet Ben in the countryside, claiming he is with Hai Mi. Ben sees that Hai Mi is not there and asks Jong-Soo where she is. Jung-Soo stabs him to death. He then douses Ben's car and body, and this says gasoline. I'm going to guess it's kerosene to pay off what,
1: what Ben, ben said, said earlier in the yeah. movie.
0: Yeah. And then he just strips down naked and tosses all of his blood-soaked clothes into the car, and then he kind of like... Uh, that walk when it's like you're waking up to piss or get water at <laughs> 5 a.m., but you're still drunk, and he's just kind of like... Ugh. <laughs> Uh, like, you're you're already starting your hangover, but you're still drunk. That's the walk he has here. Uh, he stumbles naked to his truck and drives off. And I remember being like, well, is the thing even on fire? And he drives by, and it's like <laughs> this giant fireball. It's like, oh, yeah, I guess so.
1: And that is not a metaphorical fire. That's a real fire. He he did set him on fire.
0: Most certainly is. And it takes Steven Yeun forever to die. He's just kind of, <laughs> you know, it's... um. Paul Rubens. Fuck, what's, Paul Rubens, or um, what is Ben Stiller's name? Tug Speedman in Tropic Thunder. Was, <laughs> I'm going to teach you how to juggle. Uh, so, that's the end of the movie. The I guess Jong-Soo had to become a monster to fight the monsters of the world. Justice was served. The only way possible. Question mark.
1: <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, it maybe this is real talk, but fuck it let's let's take care of it here do you believe that steven young uh killed hamy
0: well the movie definitely doesn't introduce anything that would make you second guess it uh he's very creepy in this (laughs) but where's the body without a body you got no case that's like literally how the law works brother
1: this is not this is not a trial i'm just asking you as like a person (laughs) do you believe that he killed her
0: your, yes, re- your, specifically response because
1: will, your response will not send him to the electric chair or anything it just I just want to know how you read the movie
0: I thought it was kind of ambiguous until that shot where he had his new girlfriend and was putting makeup on her I was like oh man yeah this dude's psychotic
1: <laughs> only psychos put makeup on their girlfriends
0: <laughs> no only psychos put makeup on their girlfriends at like two inches away from their face with uninterrupted eye contact that- <laughs> and she looks scared too that actress <laughs> uh, I was, I was, I
1: thought it was pretty clear that he had killed her. I didn't. I guess I, I, I never, it never occurred to me that it was meant to be ambiguous. And then I was, when I was going through quotes and and stuff, I was like, oh, I guess it's actually supposed to be ambiguous that you're not supposed. We'll talk about it in real talk because <laughs> it's this could go on 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 a, on a big conversation. But yes,
0: uh, I, I, to just put a period on it i do think he killed her
1: okay well i guess we're on the same side there um but that's it and it only took two and a half hours but we finally got to an exciting scene (laughs) in this movie
0: yep they waited until it was closing time to play the best song on the jukebox so when you walked out of there you're like well that wasn't such a bad night after all it took steven young forever to die but it was all right All right, Julio, are you ready to move this along to real talk? Not like burning. Are you ready to move this along in a concise manner?
1: <laughs> Metaphorically,
0: yes. All right, let's move it along then. Dun, dun.
1: 그레이트 헝거가 되어가는 거예요